0: Right. Let's do the math. I've been trying to figure out the math to the car punch bowl, but I still can't figure it out, mate. I won't raise any objections. Wait, what objections? Fuck you, Mars. All right, mate, no need for that kind of language. Who are you anyway? Mark Watney. Space pirate. Well, that's a random name. However, I appreciate the help. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. Oh, Mark, you crazy son of a bitch. Howdy and welcome to this week's episode of Beers with Engineers, a podcast by Engineering Dads where if it looks stupid but it works, then it's not stupid. This episode we discuss and review Ridley Scott's 2015 film, The Martian. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok and our link above to see our other projects. Let's crack on. How good was The Martian? Very.
1: Mate, Ridley Scott did a fucking amazing job on that. And I just want to say, I'm really impressed about how good it was. I didn't... Like, Jurassic Park review was amazing. The movie was so good. But this one, like, they got so many things right. And like you said in the space podcast, Sean, there's so much about space we don't know. And they covered themselves so much just Mm. by being on the safe side of things. Being like, how Mm. do we get really physically accurate as much as we can, but also not twist it too much? So yeah, that's what we're going to get absolutely. into today.
2: Like watching this film from like the stem field, it was like that first sip of water after a long run or like that first beer on a Friday. It was so refreshing seeing like so many scientific accuracies blended in with a good story. Like, Oh, I love this so much, Patty.
0: Oh, it was just a great film to watch just because I'm just a massive Ridley Scott fan. And, it, and it, I'm I am disappointed there were no aliens in the movie. However, you know, deceiving title, but what are you going to do?
2: Yeah, look. Yeah, true. I love the, the part where he calls himself a space pirate because he's stealing technically uh, unclaimed rocket. So
0: <laughs> Actually, since you, since you brought, since you brought that up, is that what he said correct? Because no one no one actually no one on earth has any type of right or treaty in space. So it's like when you're in space you can do whatever you want really. Is that true? Yeah.
2: I mean, like I I don't know the maritime laws, but I do know an example when they've used piracy um in something really weird. The way that they got the a lot of the people in the Nazi party um, convicted of committing crimes outside of, like, Israel against the Jewish people was committing them, uh, convicting them of piracy in, um, in another country, and that got them, like, the death sentence. So it, it definitely does hold in certain situations. So this one could be completely true. Uh, okay, cool. Myth plausible.
0: Okay, I, th- I think for the Martian, the best place to start is the beginning, all right? So I reckon Sean... Take us away.
2: Okay, so before I, I start off, um, I, I just want to really get this off my chest because I'm a big big fucking Greek god nerd, and this like this like tickled tickled me um pink. So um, Ares, Ares. Okay, Alex, like, Alex, actually, actually, should we like
0: if you haven't seen the movie, should we just give a quick synopsis of it? I think we can give the synopsis
2: as we go, but like I I just want to give oh, a quick no, name no. of the the Greek gods, and we'll get into the story. So um, effectively speaking, um the The Italians, uh, God love them, love the Italians. really good. They brought a lot of food and culture. but the one thing they didn't really do that well was their own gods. Their pantheon is a complete copy of the Greek gods. And a lot of the planets in our solar system are named after the uh, Latin Italian gods. So like Venus is actually the the um the planet Venus is named after the goddess Venus, but whos actually came from Aphrodite, the god of like um, sexuality and like whatnot. Um, then there's other ones like Jupiter, the biggest, biggest planet planet in our system is Zeus. Um, and then what do you think Mars came from? What was the original name for Mars? Ares, the god of war. Mm-hmm. Ares, the god of war and courage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was the other one. And the other one was the Hermes rocket. Now, Hermes actually is known for being this really, really fast god, right? He's really, really quick. He escorts people from um, death to like uh sort of from life when they die to the afterlife, taking them down to purgatory or to the underworld. Um so it was a very apt name having him as a rocket, or naming the rocket after the Hermes uh Hermes god. However, Hermes also has a planet named after him. Um do you guys know which planet that is? is Uranus. It Saturn? No, Uranus was like um another Greek god, Is actually the god of like the father of Kratos. But I oh, know the father of <laughs> The Father of your ass. I don't know. The point being is <laughs> sorry. Um it's actually Mercury. The, the the planet Mercury is the is the name of Hermes, but Hermes also had a nickname. James, as a chemical, um a chemical engineer, what is another like colloquial name for Mercury?
1: Like liquid metal.
2: Liquid metal. There's another name for it, but it sounds like that.
1: Uh, I don't know. Like a liquid metal mercury. Quicksilver. Oh, quicksilver! Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Mercury is known as quicksilver, which is named after Hermes. But ooh, then, Marvel, Marvel yeah. reference. and also something to to note: um, there's a part where like there's there's like will they survive or won't they survive? But like the Hermes rocket comes to pick him up. But in Greek mythology, Hermes takes you to death. So maybe the entire story is just made up, and this guy's living in like purgatory. Anyways, that's probably a bit of a <laughs> an open end. But um, the fact that the the NASA um, Community named everything after the original Greek gods, the better gods compared to the Italians. Um, loved, I love that because so that's, that's a Romans, really nerdy thing. Yeah, and the now Romans are a bunch very, of nerds.
1: Very specific part of Italy, and they they got a lot of things wrong, including their gods. Mm. Let's let's
2: discriminate. <laughs> As an Italian, <laughs> I will go. discriminate. Fair enough. <laughs> I can see. You, I can see your hands up already, James. <laughs> okay, got that out of the way. I just love Greek etymology. Let's get into the story, boys. What did you like about this film? Can I go first? Mm-hmm. Hit it. Like
1: I, it's nothing scientific, but I I really like the fact that Sean Bean was in it and he didn't die. <laughs> and what I liked even more. What I liked even more, and you guys will understand why, is when they're sitting in the room and they're just like, what's Project Elrond? And Sean Bean yes. is the one to make the reference to say it's the secret council of Elrond. The same council that he sat in when um, he played Boromir in Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. And what's even better is someone makes a reference to Glorfindel. Uh, the average Lord of the Rings fan doesn't even know who Glorfindel is. So that
0: really touched my heart. And that's it's what I love to tell I was like, I was expecting you to bring
2: that up, uh, James. James. I have a note here saying "Lord of the Rings" reference. James would like this in brackets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, mate,
0: I didn't even have to make a note of that. I just stored that one in my head because oh, I loved it actually, so much. Sin- since we're on things that James would like, the uh, because the Martian is based off a book, it's based, uh, on the same book, Nate, from 2011 by Andy Weir, who's the writer of it and he loves this movie he loves everything even all like the changes it's made however he doesn't like one thing because in the original in the book he stated that there is one moment he is disappointed in in the final in the final moment and it is the cut scene when they're talking about oh, like the um, the Jeff Daniels character what's his name again um uh, Teddy Sanders the director is like i wonder what he's doing up there and in the book it says Mark is do- Mark Watney makes an audio log, and he says, "How come Aquaman can control whales? They're mammals. Makes no sense." <laughs> he wishes that was in the movie. And as uh, James Aquaman Preziosa, he would—I uh, know you would like it most.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that one, man. Thanks for the um for the little shout out there, and um, you know, just just always
2: remembering where the pure nicknames come from. But yeah,
0: you gotta gotta respect the water.
2: Exactly. All right. Before we get off track, I want—I just want everyone to be on the same page. Patty, can you give us a quick summary of the synopsis of this film?
0: Okay, so basically, um, this is this is the classic um, Mars expedition type movie. The movie is set in the year 2035, which I didn't realize until the very end of the movie. <laughs> and so the movie set in 2035. Um, NASA, you know, is I guess you know really popular nowadays, uh, unlike unlike today. And they have a mar- they have recurring Mars missions and the Mars mission that is happening in this movie is Ares, Ares 3 um, a big storm ha- occurs on the mission so they all need to evacuate and basically abort ban- abort mission and during the abort and during and, dur- and dur- I was about to say during the abortion <laughs> <which is terrible. laughs> oh don't worry we don't know Texas um, during the um, uh, leaving the le- during leaving the planet, um, the character Mark Watney, played by Matt Damon, gets hit by debris and everyone thinks he's dead. However, he's not. And it's basically a survival mission from there, mm. a survival movie from there. Um, the one thing that is inaccurate that I found out about the movie is the fact that this wouldn't have happened on Mars. The fact that that, that type of hurricane, that, like that severe weather is not physically possible on Mars.
2: Is it because there's low atmosphere?
0: Exactly, because Mm -hmm. it's low atmosphere. So, the way that it appears is very strong Hurricane Katrina-like winds, like Mm. tornado-like winds. However, um, to kind of put it into perspective, a 96.5-kilometer wind, so nearly a 100-kilometer wind on Earth, is the equivalent to a 10-kilometer wind. No, no, sorry, 100-kilometer wind on Mars is equivalent to a 10-kilometer wind on Earth. So it's almost like a li- so it's like a light breeze essentially. So yeah. mm. they're escaping a light breeze. So that's the only kind of inaccuracy that I, fe- I kind of really fan about this movie. Everything else is like, I guess nitpicking.
2: Mm. Yeah. So yeah, what do exactly. you guys think? I thought it was actually like the storm. I'm not too sure on how accurate it was, but it, it could be also be possible um, because there's no real atmosphere on Mars. There's also no ozone layer. There's no protection. So. Um, Something like a, a solar gust or a flare, something could come straight onto the planet and cause a whip up of several hundred kilometers an hour. And even though that would like, be a fraction of what it would be on Earth if it was a, the same wind speed, it could still have a similar level of force. Um, but again, I didn't check that. So that's a really good point, Matty. Um hmm. Yeah, I, I, overall, I thought the movie was quite accurate, to be honest.
0: Well, they did get a lot of NASA involved. NASA was really involved in the movie. Like they had consultants on it 24-7 because as they state in the movie, NASA is a public organization. It's a government-run public organization. So whatever they information they have is the public. So it's all public funded and everything. So my yeah, yeah. only like watching it, I didn't realize, I thought it was set in, you know, like around like 2020 or something like that. Or, you know, so I didn't realize it was set in, like, years in the future yeah well so i was thinking i was th- i'm just thinking how the hell why is it why is everyone giving a shit about nasa i mean to be fair <laughs> if someone was on Mars, if someone died on mars you'd be like oh poor family like mm. you'd be you'd be
2: concerned yeah yeah as as a parent would be like oh no i've lost one. <laughs> oh no
1: <laughs> i i looked into this one about the storm um, and it makes sense as to why that massive gust wouldn't happen. So, it's all to do with the density on Mars, which is about one two hundredth of what it is on Earth. So, you get about 100 to 150 kilometers of winds. But even though you have that inertia behind it, the air is actually so thin. And mm. that's why you don't get that big gale and that big gust. So, if you looked at a wind map, you'd see this mad cyclone happening. But it's not really heavy or it doesn't feel heavy, I should say. The mass is still there, but it's not over that volume. Mm. I really like that.
0: I think they get weather a little bit wrong in this movie because at nighttime, it seemed as cold as if it's, you know, the desert where it's below freezing. However, on Mars, it's always below freezing. Like, the average temperature on Mars is negative, around, like, negative 60 degrees Celsius or something like that.
1: Yeah, but as yeah. Sean pointed out before, there's also no ozone layer as well, so more UV True. is getting through. So, during the day, you have more penetration of sunlight. mm
2: which is really yeah, interesting about Mars. Mars. Is further, yeah, Mars is also further away from um, Earth. And this is what, another thing that he's talked about is like the solar panels, right? They had these solar panels and he's cleaning off the, the dirt on them. For some reason, there's like, silica, like silver bits on the solar panel. And for someone that used to sell solar panels, I'm really confused here because, one, solar panels are a surface area thing. You need them to be like covering everything. You wouldn't put bits of silver on the top of them. And especially on Mars, when you're further away from, like, the sun, um, you need them to be as efficient as possible. Uh, even, like, the the new uh, Mars rovers, like, Perseverance and Opportunity, they didn't have these little silver discs. Maybe it was just, like, a, a prop thing, but I, I kind of got, like, a bit peeved and, like, why are you using incorrect solar panels? Maybe just so, mm. like, the audience knows what it is, but that's not how solar panels generally look nowadays. Um, Did- that was just something I noticed.
1: Did they say it was sil- uh, silver, though? No, it didn't. Well, look
2: like it, but I couldn't figure out. Nothing had it online of why they had that silicon disk on it.
1: I wonder if it could have been molten sodium because when I used to like learn about this sort of stuff with, um, with different conferences and whatnot, a lot of people in the solar field and who crossed it with chemicals talked about having molten sodium on top of their solar panels. I didn't understand the chemistry behind it because I never really looked into it. But apparently, you can actually like Reduce the surface area of a solar panel, but still get that same throughput, just by using molten sodium. I don't know if if you know anything
2: about that. Um, no. So generally speaking, when they speak about molten so- uh, salts, it's because they have a really high melting temperature and they stay hot for a long period of time. They use as thermal batteries. They're not actually applied onto the panel itself. Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't. If it wouldn't, it just covers it up. It's like, um, it's like poking a, a hole in your tie and trying to drive as fast as you can. It wouldn't, wouldn't do much. Um, it'd probably make it arguably a lot worse. But yeah, it was just something that I, that I noticed. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, do you guys want to... I kind of want to go on a little bit of a rant here. And uh, this, is, this is no offense to anyone in the US or Burma, but um, I'm just going to put it out there. Use the fucking metric system. The fucking, I I got so annoyed here because they're like, oh, because even in the film, right, NASA, ever since 2007, agreed that if we ever go to space, we're using the metric system every single space agency in the world is going to use the fucking metric system so not only is the us going to be the only country in the, on earth that uses the wrong measurement with the exception of two other countries it's going to be one of the only countries in the goddamn cosmos which is using the god the wrong metric system even when like watney's like trying to calculate things he's using the metric system why? Because it works. Do you know why NASA uses the metric system now? Because in 1990, they had Lockheed Martin design a drone for them, and they used goddamn feet. The Mars Orbiter crashed into Mars, costing them 125 million dollars because a guy used the wrong damn units. Use the fucking metric system. Okay, that's my that's my rant yeah, over. Every yeah, engineer learns about that specific incident. It's <laughs> okay,
0: quite, quite tragic. I, I got like I kind of kind of a plot hole uh, issue to bring up because as as you said like as I said before the movie is uh, the, the team is the Ares 3 mission so Ares 3 implies there are at least two prior Ares missions before so Ares 1 Ares 2 which probably would have been the Mars missions beforehand correct? Probably, or like, yeah. probably why are they collecting dirt at the start of the movie they're collecting dirt it's like can't why wouldn't you buy like the third one? Wouldn't you be, you know, doing other shit? Like, what's the point of collecting dirt? I feel like all dirt all the dirt on Mars is the same. I have another the- rant to follow up on that,
2: but yeah, go on. You can ask any geologist why they collect dirt on Earth, not even just on Mars. <laughs> but um what I honestly was- don't get it. yeah well the thing is the mars the probably other missions landed on different parts of mars because what they were trying to measure was the soil samples of like crater impacts trying to detect like new heavy metals and composites from outside of the app like outside of the the solar system and like how they could grow things and then like minerals underneath the dirt as well so there's a lot of things about it it's like why drink water? Why did you drink Fiji water when you've got, like, Australian water? Well, there's probably a small difference. I don't know. Um, because it's fancy. <laughs> it comes in a square bottle. But, yeah, there's there's a reason why they... It comes in a square
0: they... bottle and costs
2: $5. Yeah. That's the height of a class right there. But it's just the idea of detecting different things from around the planet. If you're only there for 30 days at a time, um, it would be really good to know everything around you because, uh, effectively, Mars is just dirt. And because there's no ozone, a lot more craters would hit it. And so, you could probably measure things that would burn up upon Earth's entry and you would be able to have a better understanding of what the rest of the universe looks at. All right, James, over to you. Okay. Well, I'll
1: continue with this rant. Something I didn't like about the whole sampling thing as well is the way they were collecting the samples Um, didn't guarantee any longevity of it. If you want to take that back to Earth and analyze it, there's no guarantee the analysis would be as accurate. You need to actually have an established lab on there first with reliable equipment to analyze any sample. Another thing to follow up on is in the last podcast, I talked about Mars would be an amazing place to grow crops because the soil is very rich in minerals. One thing I didn't mention is Mars is also very high in perchlorates and oxidants. So, that's another reason why they'd be getting samples. To go back to your question, Paddy, to find is, where can I make a crop that's not going to be poisonous? Is Mars sample useful? So, what Watney did as a botanist, I found really amazing the fact that he used human feces as a fertilizer to grow potatoes. That, to me, just blew my mind. As a botanist, he, you're thinking outside the box at that point because he knew that it was toxic to grow potatoes on Mars. And from a chemical engineer's point of view, using hydroxazine over an iridium catalyst to separate hydrogen and oxygen to essentially create some moisture content is a legitimate reaction. That's not a scientific fiction thing. The fact that they use a legitimate reaction in a way that he grew his crops just blew my mind. I was so happy to see that and it worked so well. But it also brought me to something one of my next questions that I wanted to ask for the en- engineering dad's point of view is Sean, can we grow potatoes in the hydroponics? Probably,
2: yeah. It's a very hardy fruit.
1: I really want to get potato seed
2: and put it in the next hydroponics project. Um, well, that's the first thing, James. Um, they're they're, they're not seeds. You just put a potato in the ground. <laughs> They are. That is the seed. No,
1: no, I know, but they're called potato seed. Like the the things you put in, they just the, their name is just potato seed. There's tiny little potatoes, purple little things.
2: Are you sure? Po- I thought they were just potatoes because if you leave potatoes in your pantry, they just start growing.
1: Yeah, they are just potatoes, but when you grow a potato, they just refer to it as the potato seed. Right, okay, yeah, fair enough. It's just, it's just potato seed.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. I did love like the idea of like the back-of-the-envelope calculations. For those who aren't out of the know, back-of-the-envelope calculations is like bread and butter for an engineer. If you need to quickly figure out if something's possible or not possible... You pull out an envelope and you do a quick calculation. It's got to fit in the back of that envelope. Now, it can be a napkin or something, but it's just a quick sense check. Does this work? And you can see him doing it all the time in this movie. Another envelope check, another envelope check. That's effectively what we do on a daily basis. Does this work? Will this not work? Yeah, well, Should I pursue it?
0: I don't know. Does, do one of you guys have like the amount of date the total days he was on Mars for? It was nearly like the, 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 the total amount because it was he, he leaves around like Sol 500 mm. or Sol so that's nearly
2: a, over a year and a half that's on, on Earth on days though that's not Mars Ooh. days Sol is the number of sun cycles on that planet so that would change it's not actually a day ah. so, um, so was it he, was, no-
0: he was there for a couple of years then mm. so he has unlimited supply of paper I'm just putting this out there like it, it turns out it looks like it until like there's like that cut like 7 months later where he's really skinny because he's like really skinny bearded doesn't really care anymore but and everything's there's nothing there so i assume he's depleted all of his resources so it's not an unlimited amount i get it but hmm. there's a lot of paper for an organisa- for nasa which we pro- primarily built on you know computers and iPads or whatever
2: dunder mifflin had them covered don't worry
0: yeah, <laughs> the good old Michael Scott treatment had him. Yeah, that Dwight Schrute commission, baby. <laughs> 20%. Then, did they
1: not say seven months, did they? Was that was that just seven months since they started the mission? Or? No, well,
0: the se- it was seven months. I, I assume it's from uh, when they picked the her- the Hermes. There's a se- like halfway through the movie or b- maybe a bit more. Hermes does the slingshot around Earth, collects the um, extra supplies, and then it's like... Seven months later, and Mark is really skinny now and bearded. Mm. And the entire facility he is in is, you know, depleted of resources.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I love that part where he's, like, going across Mars with an electric vehicle um, and just a bunch of solar panels and just sleeping under it. because uh, That's cause actually that's, your dream. Well, no, I mean, like, I would probably charge up. Um, every now and then, using a, like a dedicated charger, but that can happen. If you ever got, if the world went to an apocalypse, just having a electric car and a bunch of solar panels in the back, you could go anywhere. It would take you some time, but you I could go up, anywhere.
0: I've brought this up on the podcast multiple times, but you know what? He did the honey, I shrunk the kids method. Like, he's like, he put a bunch of solar panels on the car to hopefully like, just pray to God. Hopefully, it'll get there.
1: Gets there in the end. Do you guys. Do you guys reckon that camera he was using, he, like, charged that before he went into the to the vehicle or he was using the car's battery to power the camera? I don't Because there's a part in it where he goes, oh, shit, I got to be really conservative with my battery here mm. because I need to use a heater. But if I use the heater, my battery's going to die. But he's literally, like, speaking that into the camera, which would probably use a lot of battery oh. already.
2: I'm just like... Yeah, he probably charged it at yeah. the hab beforehand, though. Yeah. I don't know, maybe.
0: But since you're bringing up the dash cam, I was going to say you know make you know I'll make a great spin-off Netflix series just say like Mark Watney's dash cam <laughs> just like all the deleted scenes or even more of just like him going into insanity Yeah, like. just
2: listening to disco music and just like Oh, ah sh- you know what i don't
0: you know what that kind of made me not like lose touch is like lose touch with our like like connection with mark it was like bro like what's so wrong with disco
2: as someone who, who likes disco i know for a fact if i listen to it long enough i'll i'll want to like fly to mars and live there with if it wasn't on it <laughs>
0: oh come on yeah like, when he puts
2: Aberon, on it's like oh how can
0: you hate aber <laughs> yeah, well,
1: something else like that that You mentioned that getting crazy off disco Or just getting crazy in general I just, I think from any human point of view He would have just gone completely insane mm. That whole entire time The fact that he maintained his sanity mm. Like, well done But also,
0: I just don't think that was insanely realistic Yeah Huge credit, huge credit to Mark He's got he's got willpower that can match David Goggins <laughs> Like, he's, like, he, he's injured, he's impaled, and he still has the, the will to, like, no, nah, you've got to staple it. It's like, oh, absolute. Oh, that's hardcore. That's very hardcore. Yeah. One thing I liked
1: is how many references there were from this to our last podcast. We talked about there's no forces in space. Sean, you were talking about the solar sail. I like the fact that this really came into fruition in the movie when they were in gravity, um they were trying to save Mark, and they were using, like, you know, the negative pressure from the spacesuit to guide them through space to then using a bomb that was made from sugar, oxygen, and ammonia pressurized, which I thought was impressive because you probably could get away with doing something like that with the right formulations. Probably wouldn't have worked in real life, but just trying to bring those concepts as realistic as possible, it was awesome.
2: Mm. Well, yeah, like, I mean, that he's an astronaut, the, the guy that built that bomb. I mean just having the capacity to develop something on the fly. He had 30 minutes to develop something to save another man's life and was able to do that. Even though you're not going to ever use that information, it's it's quite interesting to know that you have the capacity to do these things on a quick notice and have it ready to go. I thought that was really impressive. Um, something I wanted to bring up was another film, right? So, that, so spoiler warning for Interstellar. So, you have about five seconds before I spoil this film. Okay. All right, screw it. Three seconds. All right. So you know how Matt Damon's also into Star? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. What is with it with Matt Damon and fucking airlocks? He just has bad luck with airlocks. Every time he just, he's near he airlock, ba- he's like, "I'm gonna blow this up." Every fucking he just, time. He just has bad luck. Just being abandoned on planets. Yeah. What's with that? I mean, he always just seems to cry for help in both films. But uh. no,
0: that that was the one reason that Matt probably wasn't gonna take this film because you know, I think it was offered to a couple of other actors and he was but he was on like the first on the list. It was like, mm. oh, I don't know. I just did this I, I did this uncredited bit for Christopher Nolan where I basically do the same thing. But you know, <laughs> nah, because
2: he's the protagonist. People are yeah, rooting for him. It, the other one, he's a dickhead. <laughs> he's he's the villain. Speaking of villains, yeah.
0: I don't know I don't know what to make of Teddy Sanders in this mil- in this in this movie because mm. they prematurely I want to say they prematurely pronounced him dead. Mm. And they they only have themselves to blame because it's like, well, you don't know. They that the the crew didn't really see it. Like I the only evidence they had was they couldn't like mo- the, his monitor was down which could be mul- which clearly mm. wasn't like was a false reading. So yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of him. I think I don't know if he's a villain or just a like Making the tough calls as a as like the leader, yeah, I,
1: I I wouldn't call him I the don't... villain, but I just think he was a dick. Like he was uh, making some really unethical calls. Yeah,
0: he was just being a hard ass. Yeah, he tries to fire uh, Sean Bean in the movie. He doesn't. He does. He does. No. Well, now Well, at towards the end, Sean Bean's still around five years later.
2: Was he? Yeah. Are you sure? I think so. I have a feeling he he was he let go after the the mission well, came back. But well, like, if he was, I'm very disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm not I'm like I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed. Well, look, I I honestly kind of I kind of resonate and kind of empathize with that character because you're the head of this big corporation. If something goes wrong, it's your head on the line. He did have reason to think that Mark Watney died. That his team who was on the planet thought he had died. They reported he was dead. The fact that he had no readings and the fact that you got impaled and survived for a few hours, unlikely. You're probably going to die or die shortly after from bleeding from that. And then at the end of the day, he goes, I need to keep us in the air. If this goes wrong, NASA goes, mm. I don't lose five astronauts. I lose everything. No, no one ever flies again. I kind of empathize with that character. I think he was just a really good bureaucrat. Yeah, that's what
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I, was like, I don't know. Like, I, I I, guess I just have an authoritative like mm. I, I just don't really like You just fight the man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, like, well, I'm like a hippie I'm like a hippie from the 60s bra
2: Yeah
1: Well that's the thing right You know you're running A big corporation like that Why was your risk So undermined Obviously it's a movie But you think of it Is you know obviously Yes yeah, the high risk That you're going to die If you're over there But there were so many parts Where I was just like This is just really Really underspecified When there was like Oh what's the chance Of this failing Of an inspection family It's like one in every 20 That's a 5% chance an inspection is going to fail. And generally speaking, that's just way... I swear it was lower. No, every 1 in 20 20 inspections failed. So it was like, if that's the case, your risk of actually going into space is way too high. You're costing your company way too much. And then when the HAB vessel ruptures, you know when Mark's in the HAB vessel and that little tear comes into it and all the air basically escapes from there, basically mm. causing him to suffocate. I was like, what the fuck? If you're going to build a vessel like that, surely that's not a single point of failure. You're going to have more than one single point of failure in terms of tearing. You know it's susceptible to tearing. Look how weak the sheet is. Mm. There were just so many what? things I was just like, nah. They, Wait, is, just- is this
0: like, are we talking about like him being launched, in, like Mark being launched in a space with a tarp over the top?
1: No so this is when he was still on there and he's going through like this little habit it's got like a, it's material is like really soft it's like a duna sort of material mm. obviously a bit a little bit tougher but in those sort of storms it's very susceptible to tearing and that's why I was like that, that's very sus like you know why would it just be one tearing you would have some sort of shield in between it
2: and then yeah fair enough mm. okay um something that I would probably would probably disagree with you on the Hab is because it's a space-age thing, it costs like a few thousand dollars every kilo to get something into Mars. And that thing was only designed for 30 days, not for years. It probably was designed for the perfect time between storms, land, do your samples for 30 days get back out. That's what it was designed for, right? So I, I think I, I'd give them a bit of like, um, a bit of leeway in that sense because having heavier stuff would have like cost the mission or you couldn't do as much. So I think they, they definitely pushed the limit of how they, could, um, how they could survive on that planet. And if it failed after 30 days, I mean, it's designed for only 30 days, you know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that actually because something as engineers you do is when you design anything, obviously cost is a big thing, you try and reduce the risk to as low as reasonably practical. So mm-hmm. in this situation, you're pulling so many things into Mars per kilogram that's costing you who knows how much, a lot. So you're reducing your risk as low as possible by maintaining that cost, but also keeping people safe. So you're right, if you're doing it to collect samples and whatnot, if it's intended purposes for this only, he's clearly gone against the guidelines of use and whatnot. Um, so
2: there's there's something to be said yeah. there. I don't think that I don't think that's a real ethical break because that's a design flaw. That's that's on us, that's not the head of NASA. And again, after that, their answer to getting him off the planet was to shoot him off in a tarp. So and then to take out his controls and let someone else fly, bra, and not have like there was no protection. Like
0: I, what is I don't know what that um the 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 face cover he's made of is wearing. I assume a type of plastic mm-hmm. or like a, like, but I would assume that would break from the force. No, no, it's like bulletproof stuff. Are you sure it's designed to hold oh, in bro. pressure? For- yeah, it'd be like titanium plate no, or something. No, but even like him being disoriented, bro, he's out if not he's 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 knocked out for a couple of hours like he wouldn't just be disoriented like from like the from the from the G's he's pulling or whatever mm. they say but he's he's at least like unconscious nearly dead like in that situation it, it would
1: have to i think it would have it'd have to have some sort of metal plating to stop like air from penetrating it Oh, sorry air from getting out if you're in if you're in space right like it'd have to have some sort of plating there i don't know the exact design of space helmets but it wouldn't just be
2: plastic. Mm. Well, look, we'll check that in our own time. But I think, like, the idea of the the 12 Gs disorientating him, that's actually, that's probably realistic because most fighter pilots turn at about 7, 8 Gs. Yes, this is above it. And yes, he does get, he passes out from him he thought he thinks he might have broken a rib from the G-force. That's definitely possible. Um, but I don't think he would be dead. It's like, I don't know the actual limit, but I think it's, like, closer to 20 Gs that would kill you. Um yeah, disorientated like crazy, the blood would literally come out of your head and into your feet. You would feel like an inflating balloon um, that's filling up from the bottom. But again, like people have survived 12 um, Gs before, so I think it's doable. It's not comfortable. That would feel like shit. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's okay. Something that I also wanted to bring up was a, a reference that uh, Watney made about there was a bunch of like kids in school and they were fucking around with rockets. And eventually they started JPL. That is a real story. That's actually something that happened. And Patty, have you ever watched the movie October Sky? No. It was a real it was a movie when Ryan Gillenhall was in his um was it like a small child. Correction, Sean is actually referring to Jake Gillenhall from the 1999 film October Sky. Um pretty much uh October Sky is an anagram for Rocket Boys. And pretty much what it was was four kids, or realistically in the the real story, it's like six, six kids designing the first rocket, or their first rocket, and as a as a science project, building a rocket that went higher than Mount Everest. Imagine at the age, like year ten, developing a rocket that went above Mount Everest. Anyways, these guys went on ahead to develop the rocket for the Apollo missions, and um, from this movie. Jeff Bezos watched this movie and went, wow, that's cool. One day I'm going to have my own space agency. And 20 years later, he developed the uh, Blue Origin, which had its first successful flight um, in low orbit. But like, that's a real thing about engineers just fucking around, which is pretty much what we do on the daily basis. Yep. Except we're not going to go to space. We're just going to go onto YouTube. <laughs> or we can go onto YouTube <laughs> oh, in that's space. The, that's the hope. Go yeah, to go to the moon. <laughs>
1: Just like I said, invest in crypto, it'll take you right there. Hundred oh, percent Dogecoin
2: yeah. all the way. Dogecoin to the moon. No, nah, we but don't yeah, like not Dogecoin, Daddy Coin. Invest. Oh, we're not doing daddy coin.
0: Yes not, we are. But yeah, get it into daddy coin, get with the program, we'll get out of here. <laughs>
2: Sorry, whose fucking channel is
0: this? <laughs> I've been kicked out. It's mine now. <laughs> Get it. That's We've been usurped. Well, We've been, been developed DaddyCoin in your own free time, but I'm not Just like the Hermes crew, we're having a mutiny.
2: Yeah. Oh, something else that I thought was really, really cool, right? Um, the Hermes rocket. One of the things that I thought was really cool was how like how it spins. Have you ever figured out like uh, James you might know, but Patty, do you know why the, the Hermes rocket spins? Is it to keep us stabilized? No, there's no atmosphere to stabilise against. I don't know. Because it's centrifugal force. So what they're doing is, at a certain distance, that that ring that's spinning, right? If you're on the outside of that ring and it's spinning at a certain speed, a centrifugal force is um, pushing you down. And this is also in the movie uh, Space Odyssey, where he's running. And like the camera goes around, like this big dome where he looks like he's like boxing and running. What it's doing is it's like a bucket with water where you spin it above your head. If you spin it fast enough, that water stays in that bucket. Effectively, what that rocket is doing is simulating gravity. So if you're on the outside of that, like that spinning disk, you feel like you're on Earth's gravity. That's why they're sitting at the table and they're like fine. However, if they're in the middle of the rocket, they're in zero Gs again and they're floating around. Did you notice that they were sometimes were looking like they were in gravity and sometimes not? But it was only depending where they were on that ship and if that part was spinning. Yeah, mm. except when I, cause I picked that up as well, and I'm like, surely they're not spinning
1: it fast enough to generate that centrifugal force. But then again, probably is relative to Earth, uh, so relative to space where there's zero G's. So who knows what the actual calculation is. It's probably a good pickup,
2: though, because I feel like in real life, it'd be a lot quicker. Mm. Yeah, it probably would be a lot quicker. I'll give you that much. But. I thought that was a really interesting thing that they included because very realistic thing of having something spinning, because if you don't spin, if you don't experience gravity at all times, your muscle decay is quite bad. You look at some of the astronauts when they come back to Earth, when they didn't have like a spinning tube or a spinning compartment, and they're just lying on the ground because they can't move because gravity's too heavy. They're like, I don't know how to pick up my hand. And they just kind of like lie in the ground for like a day or, to- or so before they can like walk again. It's pretty crazy how much muscle you gain from just sitting down and walking, which is quite like counterproductive to most health and diet <laughs> plans. But um, the idea of having gravity in space is critical for survival. Otherwise, you wither and die. And when you come back to Earth, you'll just be like a slug.
0: <laughs> that is my ideal health plan. Eat brownies and sleep.
2: Yeah, man, you'd be great and cryo. <laughs>
0: Excellent, bro. Okay, so I have one. I have one thing about the communication they use in this film because I was wondering the, like when I first watched, it, I was like, why wouldn't wouldn't NASA have a backup for communication if the radio is lost or something like that? And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll get gi- I'll give them some liberties. However, like twenty thirty five, they'll have they should be advanced enough. And it's implied what he was hit by, the the debris that Mark was hit by to send him into isolate to, you know, have the team abandon him was the mm. antenna from, for the radio. So he knows mm-hmm. where the antenna is. So he he knows it was it was right next to him because it was attached to it. <laughs> it was stabbed into him, yes. <laughs> it was stabbed into him and he's attached to it. And the way the communication they end up going is involves using a uh, pathfinder,
2: the rover pathfinder. The pa-
0: they use the Pathfinder rover, uh, uh, the fa- the Pathfinder rover, to and then uses hexadecimals, which you know is like a Greek coding thing. And I don't get it. I, Ridley Scott didn't understand it when he was, and he was, and he was the, he was the director of filming it. Um, wouldn't it be easier just to attach the antenna back on?
2: <laughs> That's not
0: how the antenna works. <laughs> I feel like it should be able to work that way.
2: <laughs> no, that, no, absolutely not. If you're getting stabbed with very, like, if you've ripped off the top of the antenna, quite a bit of the electronics is, is in that component that you've just snapped in half. Um, again, he's a botanist. He probably has some advanced electrical training because he has to be an astronaut and he has to fix things on the fly if someone else gets injured. But... Um, yeah, fixing antennas is is quite advanced. Mm. Um look, you know what? He does a lot
0: of crazy stuff in this film, so I wouldn't put I wouldn't mm. I would put a past him and know a, a thing or two about, you know, um, electrical engineering.
2: Yeah, he uses plutonium as like a jacket warmer in the car. Like
0: that <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> so like that was pretty impressive. I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of botanist knows about nuclear physics, however, this guy does. Yeah, yeah well, no, that's hot, that's hot. He
1: definitely knew <laughs> to use poop for poo fertilizer, but he forgot to bring his dad's soldering kit with him to fix the
2: antenna, so, you mm. know. Yeah, I mean, like, again, uh, probably that rocket was the backup an- antenna or communications array because they could just relay messages between that rocket and the base. Um, I guess they never expected for the rocket not to be there. Um, <laughs> I guess they didn't really plan to leave a guy behind. But, hey, it makes yeah. for a good movie.
0: Yeah, well... Since we're also on things that you guys are easily debunking my, like, it should be this, like, obvious solution, maybe probably <laughs> he easily debunk this one. Why didn't, instead of, for water-wise, I don't know where, what he was drinking the entire time, because I assume that he was just using the water that was being established in the, with the hydrogen fire or whatever, mm. but why wouldn't he just use the water and try and find a way to make it drinkable that's already on Mars? Was there frozen water on Mars?
1: Surely you're going to let Aquaman answer this one.
0: Yep, I'll Exactly, that's why I asked you knew. Yeah,
1: well, um, <laughs> the water he was getting was reclaimed water. It wasn't drinking water, it wasn't potable. Like I said before, Mars's core has a lot of oxidants and perchlorates and they didn't obviously have the filtrates and they didn't have the chemicals to disinfect that, to get rid of the chemicals, to... Um, filter it out to make it drinkable. So, instead, they he just packed a lot of cold-pressed juices. The water he needed was obviously for, I guess, using the toilet, for example, or washing his car. <laughs> I'm joking. Definitely not washing his car. That'd be a Gotta wash the rover. Gotta keep it sparkling clean. Um, Yeah, but the reclaim system was already down a lot. You could have drank it, but it would have gotten him either really sick or killed him. That's why, as an astronaut, what they do is they pack lots of water with them. Um, not that we've been to other planets yet, but that's what you would do. You would never rely on a water source from another planet because it would have contaminants that we wouldn't even imagine here. Unless you bring like a containerized water treatment plant with you. But Sean mentioned the cost of bringing heavy
2: materials into space. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. Agreed.
0: How much would it be? Uh...
2: Oh, geez. It's it's not the price of it. It's the weight of it. It's I imagine exactly. Yeah. Because you have it using a large like motor inside it and a condenser and whatnot... you're you're talking like to get that to to mars probably a few million dollars in a small scale probably upwards of like 50 like the 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 rover that crashed into mars which was 125 million dollars was about 100 kilos and so like you you're talking hundreds of millions potentially to get a filtration system for something that's only gonna last 30 days yeah in scope and it's only to get again past earth's Escape velocity mm-hmm. and
1: then some because you need to keep burning the fuel to get up even higher. So yeah. once you, once you're in space, you're fine. That's why the space elevator is a great idea. The space elevator because you can back. you <laughs> can you can do that. You can do that if you go to space elevator, you commission it up in the orbit, and then it doesn't cost you anything to take it to Mars. But oh. to just get mm. pu- burn all that fuel is why it costs so much. So it's probably a few thousand
0: dollars a kilo. Scale it up to a couple of tons. That's why it's a few million. I'm so glad you brought up the space elevator because I was thinking about this the other day, and for some reason I couldn't get the image of the the Simpsons of the escalator that goes to nowhere (laughs) out of my mind. I was I was thinking it's like that's the elevator from. You just
2: can't stop thinking of escalators, Patty. You got to get it out of your head. I'll never (laughs) get it out of my head until it's in my house.
1: (laughs) Patty, he, he sorry, he doesn't want to climb to the top. He wants to eat brownies, lay in bed, and the escalator takes him to the top. Exactly. James, you get it. You get it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a simple philosophy. Boys, I don't know if you have many more points on this movie. I wanted to ask you guys a question though. Go ahead. Right. If we were to go into space, right? If you had to do this particular mission, but you were only given one type of food that you could bring with you the whole time, assuming all laws of decay still apply and freshness, what would you take with you? So, obviously, you can't take chicken and steak and whatnot. What would you take? eggs oh, that's
2: a- <laughs> eggs eggs the things that are known for longevity they can last several years eggs <laughs> wait how long do they like
0: what's he I, I never know that is there an expiry don't eggs because I eat eggs all the time I don't really Absolutely. oh fuck <laughs>
2: Oh my god, this is your weight loss. <laughs> You're gonna eat brownies and off eggs for the rest of your life, Patty. This, mate, this, <laughs> is
1: why, this is why I like you fucking. Every time you drop a fire, I just want to fucking drive to the next planet.
2: Exactly. Oh my god. So. It's <laughs> <laughs> just. Uh, yeah, it's like, what would you take that lasts a long while? Milk. <laughs> Milk. <laughs> yogurt. Specifically, yeah, yeah. Greek strawberry yogurt. Yeah, frozen yogurt, that'll, that'll be the best. Ah, oh, Honestly, I reckon I'll just take Milo, <laughs> a big tin of Milo, just because like you can mix it with water. I know it's not the same, but it would give you the nutrients. And like Milo, for those who don't know what Milo is, an Australian treat, just a powder. It was designed in the uh, Great Depression of Australia to try and get the calorie uptake for kids, and then it just became a namesake because everyone liked Milo. Um, a lot of nutrients packed into it. It, it's like just like an energy bar, but you can have it into a glass of water. And yeah. I think it'd make um, reclaimed water taste yeah. a bit better before you die.
0: Yeah, wouldn't mind some Milo protein smoothies. That'll be, uh, that'll go down a treat. That'll maybe, I don't know, baked beans. I don't know. Like what, no, well, I, I'm trying to think <laughs> like- you what, take James. No, what's, what, like, what are the cans? Like, it's like, I don't know, like Campbell's soup. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yes. I'm,
2: laughs> So was it the big
1: and chunky? Yeah. <laughs> big and chunky <laughs> <laughs> soups. Yeah. Anything you take up, you'd have to add your own preservatives to because you probably wouldn't get the full life out of it. So, that'd be a bit of a risk. But if there was one food, probably the um the Muscle Nation custard protein
0: bars. Oh, my God. Are we sponsored by <laughs> them or something? <laughs> no. We are now. Get oh 10% God. off with our code. Daddy's <laughs> <laughs> I, just,
2: I just, I just really like them. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Not all good. All right. On that note, guys, I really enjoyed this film. No, I got
0: I got Um, one more point to make about this movie. All right,
2: cut that one out of the podcast. Go ahead, Patty.
0: The Iron Man method he uses at the end, Mm -hmm. where he pokes a hole and he drifts it off. Look, is that possible? Maybe. I don't really know. Like you guys probably have your own thoughts about it. However, the fact that they mention Iron Man kind of implies that the MCU exists in this. In this, uh, in this yeah. fictionally. So I'm sorry. Thinking- what? No,
1: if that's the case, a middle earth also exists in this yeah, universe. Yeah. exactly. But, so
0: but- I'm thinking, so um, I'm thinking it's like, wouldn't if the MCU, you, you, like universe does exist, wouldn't everyone be like, oh, bro, you look exactly like Bucky, bro. You look exactly like Wong, bro. You look exactly like Louise from Ant-Man, bro. You look exactly like Donald Glover. <laughs>
2: Yeah, okay, clearly that it, it was just like an idea. Maybe he's referencing the comic book and the movies didn't come out. But yeah, I did actually pick that up. It's like, Iron Man, that's Sebastian Stan. That's- yeah. Wait, wait. And then I was like, nah, it's fine. And I didn't even think about the Lord of the Rings one with Sean Bean, which was yeah. a really good pickup, James. Of course, the nerd picked up the- Yeah, well, okay, another nerd.
1: In the TV show Suits, Louis Litt always references the Lannisters from Game of Thrones. I don't know if Winterfell exists in the same universe as uh, a bunch of lawyers in,
0: is it New York? I yeah, very varies is in that uh, show, isn't he? He in is, suits. he is. Yeah, I, yeah. I just yeah. remember that. Yeah. Okay. Well, my other point is at the very end of the movie, you know, say. So obviously, spoilers. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put this in anyway, but we've already said it multiple times about spoilers anyway. Mark survives. It's a, it's a, it's a rare sci-fi movie. What? Where, it's a rare sci-fi movie where actually no one dies. I realised that there's, there's only like a handful, you know, like maybe ten or so sci-fi movies where no one dies. Especially Sean Bean, what the fuck? I know, exactly. But at the end it then it's like, you know, he's teaching at university, you know, cut to, you know, five years later or something, he's teaching at university, credits roll, you know, who are the actors, whatever, and it shows what, what all the characters are up to five years later. Like some have been married, mm. some are hanging out with their family, some have a kid. Um and then one of them, the um the, the character, Rick Martinez, who
2: was on... Oh, it. Michael Peña's character. Michael yeah.
0: Peña's character, who was on the mission for a total of... I want to say, like, it's nearly over three years. The mission yeah. went... Like, the, collectively, the, the mission went for over three years for everyone, right? Yeah. Okay. He's already three years. There's a scene in the movie where his is he has to tell his wife, I'm sorry, I'm going to be longer. Mm. Like, he has a wedding ring, has a kid... And at the end of the movie, he's going back into space. So I have two things: either he was promoted to commander, or he's divorced and he's escaping.
2: Oh God! I just I just thought of something. He's actually the best FIFO worker in the world.
0: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. No, but so I'm, I'm I'm thinking like what per, what relationship? Like no, there's no there's no understanding partner in a relationship was like bro you've been away for three years i've been taking care of your child i, I, I get it you've been chilling out for five mm. however you're not going back up there because you're going to be gone for another three years or another two and a half
2: look as elton john in his song rocket man says it's his job he'll be back shortly don't worry yeah i know <laughs> I, think, I think he's I a think, rocket man
0: i think i know it's supposed to be a happy ending however i think he's divorced <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe for him that is a happy ending. Who knows? We're not here to comment on people's marital yeah, status. You know. You know, you know what?
0: Hey, look, you know what? Whatever floats your boat.
2: Yeah, some people want to have an elevator to the moon, but let's uh let's you know what? Let's it on that one. One day, boys, one day. Look,
0: I just want a brownie, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, right, lads. As uh, as yeah.
1: we always say with these movie reviews, if there's any movie that you love watching, that has a lot of scientific references that you want us to talk about, just let us know. Leave a comment, message us. You know who we are. We're not gonna, we're not gonna bite you. Yep. or turn you away.
0: We're not going anywhere. Okay, this is getting creepy. <laughs> <laughs> why do you want, why do you want to bite them, James? Yeah. Who, why'd you bring that up?
1: I'm saying we're not gonna bite them. I'm being very clear that that's, that's not gonna
0: happen. No, 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 that's no. That's no. what someone who would bite someone would say. You, you, you looked at me in the eye and you said, "Let's get it on." I'm just reading your words, bro. This is mm. between
1: me and you. Not even Sean <laughs> not to know. I'm out of here. I'm going to bed. Thanks right. for the podcast, boys. See you later. Oh, he's mad. <laughs>